The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Prepare us, O God, to hear your word through the scriptures of this day. Confront us with your claims on our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose. Help us to respond to the one who came as the bread of life, so we may know life at its fullest and best. Amen. The lesson today is from Mark chapter 2, verse 23, through chapter 3, verse 6. On sa- one Sabbath, he was going through the cornfields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we start this morning with a strange encounter. As often occurs in the Gospels, we have people trying to trap Jesus into doing something that will get him into trouble. And as per usual, we have Jesus evading their trap and angering them in the process. Because honestly, how dare he? But in the context of this particular story is interesting. First, I would note that Jesus healing the withered hand, the healing itself is completely a non-issue. Everyone, including his enemies, knew he could do it. That isn't even questioned. The only question is whether or not he will do it on the Sabbath. Sabbath. That's the real context of this story. The enemies of Jesus are out to get him, and they chose violating the Sabbath as an issue where catching him acting inappropriately would be a major victory. What's that about? For many of us, the word Sabbath probably conjures up old American laws about businesses closing on Sundays, 
or family demands for church attendance, rather than any particular theological or spiritual importance. And yet, if we look at the Bible, the Sabbath is kind of everywhere. Of course, it's rooted in the creation narratives of Genesis. God creates the world in six days, and then on the seventh day, God rests. We, as human beings, are commanded to follow the Creator's example and rest every seventh day as well. But this just isn't any command. This is number three in the Big Ten. That seems noteworthy. But it's actually even bigger than that. In the book of Leviticus, yep, Leviticus, we're going there. <laughs> there are passages that command that the land itself is to be given a Sabbath, Sabbath every seventh year. The Bible commands that no farming be done to the land so that the land itself has a chance to rest. And finally, after seven Sabbath years, there is to be a holy 50th year known as the year of Jubilee. In this Jubilee, all slaves and prisoners were to be set free, all debts were to be forgiven, and all property should be returned to its original owners. Interestingly, or perhaps sadly, while Jewish law still mandates a fallow year for farmland after six years of farming, there is no historical or biblical record that the year of Jubilee was ever observed. But just in case all of this isn't enough, we get the prophets talking about the Sabbath as well. So for example, the prophet Isaiah prophesies that a whole list of people who had previously been excluded from worshiping God would be included. But the first requirement placed on those people by God is that they, quote, keep my Sabbaths. And finally, it's worth noting that Jesus doesn't deny the importance of the Sabbath. He doesn't abolish it. Rather, he claims to be Lord of the Sabbath, with the ability to determine what's acceptable. So what's going on here? Why is the Sabbath so important? Or let me flip the question. Have you looked at our culture recently? Have you noticed that busy is the new fine? How are you? Oh, staying busy. How's work going? It's keeping me busy. Do you want to hang out this weekend? Oh, I can't. I've already put in 80 hours this week, but I've still got stuff I've got to do. <coughs> We're busy all the time. Now, sometimes this happens because of the world we live in. It can happen because of our employers. Sometimes our families are running in a dozen directions. But it doesn't stop, at least until we collapse from exhaustion. <laughs> I remember back when I was in college, and I had gone God only knows how many days in a row with four hours or less of sleep a night, and my best friend quipped, college, creating a new generation of workaholics. He wasn't wrong. But even since then, busy has become the new normal. And while sometimes the world does this to us, sometimes we also do it to ourselves. And I think there are several reasons that we've turned busy into the new fine. 
first is that we want to look important. If we're running nonstop, if there are things that need us in order to get done, then we must be valuable. And if that's the case, then surely our colleagues and our employers will notice and appreciate what we're doing. And just maybe our quality of life will improve. On the other hand, sometimes we say we're busy because the truth is too awkward or unspeakable. When someone at work asks, how are you doing? Responding with, I'm drowning under a workload designed for three people and I'm about to collapse, is generally not considered good professionalism. So instead, we just say, we're busy. Have you ever been asked the ever awkward question, are you seeing anyone? No, why not? It's so much easier to say, oh, I've been too busy at work, or I'm just focusing on my career, than the potentially much more painful, nobody seems interested, or the culturally unbelievable, I'm happy being single. We don't want to face our insecurities or our isolation. We don't want to be vulnerable. And so we become busy, either by word or by deed. We dive in so that we don't have to face the things that we don't want to. And then, because everybody else is doing the same thing, it becomes an ever easier excuse, whether we're really busy or not, to deflect the things we don't want to face. Busy is what we say when we don't want to say anything. But if we're being honest, we know that this isn't sustainable. The commandment to keep the Sabbath isn't some arbitrary, inscrutable law set for the amusement of God. Jesus reminds us in today's story, even as he reminded his listeners back then, that the Sabbath is made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. Our bodies need sleep. Our minds need peace. Our spirits need connection to God and to each other. The Sabbath was created as a divine mandate to keep us from destroying ourselves. And it also exists to remind us of something very important. This may surprise you, but it's true. Are you ready? We are not God. <laughs> of course, there are busy seasons where we have to work hard. But there's a kind of functional atheism that tells us that we have to do everything. Because if we don't, everything will fall apart. Here's a little pro tip for you. The world didn't end when God took a day of rest it certainly won't end if we do. So what does it look like to keep the Sabbath? Remember that Jesus is talking to people who want to trick and trap him. But for the most part, he's not telling them anything they don't already know. Keeping the Sabbath isn't primarily about an abstract legalism. 
you can work to save a life, for instance. Or supernaturally heal someone, for that matter, if that's what you're into. But the Sabbath also can't be hand-waved away by our simple preferences. The Hebrew word Shabbat means to actively choose to cease working. Do you get the nuance there? Collapsing from exhaustion because you're overworked and sleep-deprived might be necessary, but it's not really part of keeping Sabbath. To keep the Sabbath requires an intentional choice to keep the Sabbath. To stop, to rest, to connect, to breathe. What would it look like for you to keep the Sabbath? What would it feel like for you to get enough sleep? What would it take to drop your stress levels? Could you take an entire 24 hours to unplug from email, social media, texts, and the ever-grinding 24-hour news cycle? Could you let go and simply be with the people you love? Would you take time to connect with God beyond this hour on Sunday morning? Jesus' enemies try to trap him by claiming he can't heal on the Sabbath. They'd forgotten that the Sabbath is all about healing. And it strikes me as interesting what the particular healing was that Jesus did. Stop for a moment and picture with me what a withered hand looks like. Thin and emaciated, fingers drawn in and tightened into claws. What does Jesus say? Stretch out your hand. Untighten. Relax. The man's healing on the Sabbath comes from, in essence, keeping the Sabbath from untightening, from relaxing. I want to encourage you, and let's be honest, myself, this week, to try keeping the Sabbath if you normally don't. Choose to stop working. Choose to rest. Choose to connect with people you love. Choose to simply be. As my boss has been known to say from time to time, we are human beings, not human doings. The Sabbath is God's gift to us. May we embrace that gift. Amen.